Virginia. Where the spirit of 1.8 million West Virginians wills you to victory. Other places have pro teams, but in this state, the Mountaineers are a way of life. When I competed, and more that number, I competed for the state and for the people, not just for the university. Now, let's roll out the carpet and bring on the Mountaineers. That's not a spree. Yes! Alexander. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into episode 12 of the CRW Hoops podcast here as we continue to cover the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season. Now, with only one game remaining here in the regular season, we'll get to a preview of that final regular season home game here and what will be senior day for the Mountaineers as well coming up here to close out the episode but before we do that we've got a couple games to talk about since we last presented you guys an episode here from the country roads webcast of course those being the games against kansas and iowa state told you guys on episode 11 in my opinion the two toughest places to play in the big 12 conference by far and i think west virginia showed that they are more than capable of competing with the better teams in this conference and also showed that despite the recent road struggles in in the past couple of years that West Virginia has really rebounded in a nice way here in the latter portion of this season and seems to be playing their best basketball of the season at the right time here when they really needed to close out the season. We know that they needed to win two out of these final three games. Two of those down now, they have one of those wins, so it all comes down to this game against Kansas State potentially. Um, if West Virginia wants to reach the NCAA tournament. However, some think now with the most recent victory over Iowa State, the West Virginia may have locked themselves into an NCAA tournament spot, but they can certainly lock themselves in with a win over Kansas State. I think if they beat the Wildcats at home to close the season, there's no question the Mountaineers will be in the big dance. If they lose that game, who knows, maybe West Virginia will need to win a game or so in the NCAA, I mean, excuse me, in the conference tournament to be able to reach the NCAA tournament. But right now at this point, I think West Virginia is probably feeling pretty good about their chances after that win over Iowa State, which we will talk about. That most recent victory by West Virginia, very impressive, putting the West Virginia up to their current record on the season of 17 and 13 overall, 6 and 11 in the Big 12 Conference. 17 wins feels good enough to get you into the NCAA tournament. Six conference wins probably can with how tough the Big 12 is this season. I think seven was kind of the sweet spot we were talking about to really assure of that. So we're hoping to possibly close out this season with a victory as West Virginia has some momentum and has some time off before this game against Kansas State. You know, that's something that they've had that they really needed, I think, in order to get ready to try and win this one as well because you know these guys were exhausted that's something I worried about after that game against Kansas, which I'm not going to take a deep dive on that game against Kansas because I, like a lot of you guys throughout Mountaineer Nation, of course, really heartbroken by that loss. The West Virginia put forth a hell of an effort, though. I think we can all agree on that there. 
And so, you know, don't want to revisit that too much. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a bad breakup and you and your girlfriend just kind of delete each other off Facebook, one of those out of sight, out of mind type deals, right? But no, in all seriousness, I think that was one of the better performances of the season for West Virginia. That game was like a heavyweight fight going back and forth, and they showed they can go toe-to-toe with a team that's not only the best team, arguably, in this conference, but one of the best teams in the country. They're the defending national champions, and a lot of people think they have a good chance to repeat. And I think, you know, that's definitely an argument to be made when it comes to that Kansas team. They've been really good, and West Virginia's, you know, never won there in Allen Fieldhouse, and they had a great opportunity there to finally do that in that game right there, very down to the last play. I know that last play didn't turn out the way we wanted as Mountaineer Nation, but one thing I will say about that game is this team absolutely fought and fought hard. And like I said, it was like a heavyweight battle. So it left me to be really worried, honestly, about this game against Iowa State that West Virginia only had one day uh, in between that hard fall game against Kansas to then play, you know, what I feel like is the other toughest place to play in the conference over in Ames, Iowa. And, you know, I was worried that they wouldn't have enough legs. They would be worn down. And I think towards the end of that game, you saw a Mountaineer team that was worn down, that was exhausted. But most importantly, what you did end up seeing, though, was West Virginia team that, despite being that exhausted, knew what was on the line and did what they had to do in yet another game that felt like a heavyweight fight. So for West Virginia, it feels like they just had two heavyweight fights back-to-back within a span of two days of each, you know, right there, uh, playing Kansas on Saturday and then Iowa State on Monday. Came up a little bit short against the Kansas Jayhawks. Then you get a day off in between on Sunday, and you come back Monday, and you have to go on the road again to a tough place to play as well in Iowa State, and that place was cranked up, and it was loud just as you know the stadium was at Kansas a couple days prior. West Virginia could have easily laid down, thrown in the towel, you know, they didn't have Mo Wagee. We know that he's out for an indefinite amount of time with his lower leg injury there. Then in the game, you lose James Aconquo to an injury. Then midway through the second half, you lose another big man when Trey Mitchell's ejected with the flagrant two. No Wagee, no Aconquo, no Trey Mitchell. Down the stretch, you're not really playing Jimmy Bell either. So you're pretty much playing Emmett Matthews at your five and four guards lineup. You haven't used it all throughout the season really, you know, coming down to the wire in a game you had to crawl back into because Iowa State got up by seven or eight at one point in the second half. So I think these two performances were two of the better performances from West Virginia on the season, especially when you're talking road games. So I think that was good to see at this point is this West Virginia team really hitting its stride right now. We will find out here as conference tournaments coming up and potentially the NCAA tournament. But if they are, it's definitely the perfect time for them to be doing so. So, you know, like I said, not going to deep dive on Kansas, but Hats off to the Mountaineers for coming very close to getting their first win there ever in Allen Fieldhouse. And I think that they put on a heck of a performance there against the Jayhawks, went toe-to-toe with them. But let's dive in on that matchup with Iowa State that West Virginia did come out on the winning end of there and ultimately securing a very important win here as far as West Virginia's NCAA tournament chances are concerned. Some people think that may have locked them into the tournament. That remains to be seen. I think they can certainly do that with a win over Kansas State, and we'll preview that one here to close out the episode. But first, let's look back, take a deep dive on that victory over the Cyclones, talk about some of the numbers and talk about about why West Virginia was able to come away with that very important road victory. (laughs) 
All right, so taking a look now from this past Monday night, West Virginia, as I said, went on the road to Iowa State, secured an important conference road victory. It was a battle down the stretch. West Virginia had a great performance in the first half to go up by eight on Iowa State. But then in the second half, Iowa State battled back a little bit as they started to force some more West Virginia turnovers. And that's kind of Iowa State's formula for victory, and that's kind of why they were able to claw back into the game and ultimately take a lead in the second half. Um, I think it was a seven- or eight-point lead at one point there before West Virginia finally ultimately battled back, and it was back and forth down the stretch there. But uh, Iowa State, of course, ultimately outscoring West Virginia in the second half, but West Virginia is still able to come out on top, as you see there, with the 72-69 to 69 lead. Going to share my screen with you guys on the video side here so you can follow along with the stats with me. But for you guys tuning in on the audio side, no worries. Of course, I will read them out. But having said that, if you are tuned in on the video side watching us here, we appreciate you being a viewer, whether it's on our YouTube channel or on the web there at WV Sports Now. You can find us either place when you're a viewer here. Do us a favor while you're in here. Hit that like button. Give us that thumbs up. It'll really help this video's performance, which in turn helps future videos performances here on the channel. And if you're a West Virginia fan and you haven't already, be sure and hit that subscribe button as it helps us and it helps you. Helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation. But if you're listening on the audio side, we really appreciate that as well. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can help us out by leaving us a rating there. And if you're tuning in on any of the other podcast platforms, just be sure and share us around with other members of Mountaineer Nation that you think may enjoy the show. And like I said, the video version, if you're on the audio version and would like to become a viewer, find it on the Country Roads webcast YouTube, or you can find it on the web at wvsportsnow.com. Either way you want to there, but we appreciate you guys that are viewers or listeners to the show here. Let's dive into the numbers on this victory over Iowa State. Field goal percentage-wise, almost dead even there. Iowa State getting off a couple more shots than the Mountaineers from the field. 52 shots for Iowa State versus 50 for West Virginia. Iowa State hitting 46% of those as compared to 44 for the Mountaineers. Three-pointers for the two teams. Iowa State shot 38% while West Virginia shot 33%. West Virginia shot 27 threes in this game. Personally, that's a little bit higher than I like West Virginia to, you know, to shoot, in my opinion. Uh, but they did hit nine of them, which is good. That's a lot of threes to hit. Um, I think West Virginia does have some great shooters on this team, but sometimes I worry that they fall a little bit in love with the three ball too much. You know, maybe that's the old school side of me coming out more so versus today's game, where that's kind of the name of the game seems to be live by the three, die by the three for the majority of teams. And I think for what this West Virginia team, from what I've seen though, just from my own eyes here and my own. Uh, analysis, I guess you could say. I think that they're a lot better when they're attacking the basket and getting to the free throw line. Especially, I think we've seen that a lot here in the latter portion of the season when West Virginia's been able to get in the bonus early on in the first half or early on in the second half even, and sometimes both of those initially. And you see that in this game. West Virginia got to the line 23 times versus 18 from Iowa State and also shot a better percentage, 82.6% for West Virginia versus only 72% for Iowa State. And I think West Virginia's been doing an excellent job at the free throw line here in recent games. I believe they're well above 80% as a team, and that's been a big improvement after the early part of the season. If West Virginia would have made some free throws, they probably would have won some of the games that they lost, but I think that's been a focus, and you've seen that improve a ton down the stretch. Free throw is not a concern. It's actually a strength of this West Virginia team, and that's why I like to see them attack the basket and get to the line there. I think that that's probably their greatest strength on offense as well as hitting the offensive glass. And I think this team's showing that they're really capable of doing that. They pulled down seven offensive rebounds in this game and out-rebounded Iowa State in total 29-26. to 26. As always, you know, rebounding is a big part of a Bob Huggins team. We've seen this team get better and better at it down the stretch. 
as well as having some improvements defensively. I know it's still not exactly what I would call a strong defensive West Virginia basketball team, but they've done a better job in these recent games and have done enough to secure a win, although this team is probably more offense-oriented. But the big improvements I've seen from this team that I think has really helped them to secure some of these victories is, of course, improving their free-throw shooting, doing a great job on the glass, but also they've been able they've been turning the ball over less and that's really helped a lot you know even though you know looking back I didn't want to deep dive on that game against Kansas but West Virginia did turn the ball over 21 times in that game despite that still only losing by two points to Kansas you know arguably the best team in the conference just goes to show that if this West Virginia team takes care of the basketball they're very dangerous and I think that's a good reason they were able to come up with this victory over Iowa State especially with how they handled the ball in the first half I believe they only had three or four turnovers in the first half that's what helped West Virginia to get out to that eight-point advantage at the break there because, as I said, Iowa State's style this season is kind of to force teams into turnovers and then get out into transition, and that's where they get a lot of their points. There's points off turnovers, and I think in the first half, West Virginia didn't allow them to do that so much. In the second half, they did a better job of forcing West Virginia into some mistakes, and they were able to score a little bit more. Also, in the second half, they were able to play their star player, Gabe Kalsher, a little bit more, and that helped them. But I think all in all, West Virginia had one of their better performances of the season when it comes to not making, you know, unforced errors and that lead to turnovers, bad passes, miscommunications, things like that. For the most part, I thought West Virginia took care of the basketball a lot better in this game against Iowa State, and that shows here in the numbers. West Virginia only turning the ball over 12 times. Iowa State only turned the ball over 10 times. They did a good job of that as well. West Virginia has a tendency to force teams into a lot of turnovers themselves. But I think, you know, 12 turnovers, not exactly ideal. You would still like it to be even less than that. Ideally, you would probably want to get down to single digits if you're the Mountaineers, and then you're really cooking with gas. But with in comparison to, you know, some of the games that West Virginia has had this year when they've had 21 turnovers, 20 turnovers, 19, 18, and that's been, you know, on more than one occasion, probably each of those, including the game prior to this game against Kansas, where you had 21 turnovers and, like I said, still only lost by two points. So I think that was a concerted effort probably. For one, knowing how this Iowa State team plays, I'm sure the coaching staff made a focus on that, as well as coming off a game in which you had 21 turnovers, made it easier to make the team more aware of how they need to take care of the basketball in this one. But the combination of both those things ultimately helped West Virginia and was a check mark in their corner into getting this victory um, as far as how they took care of the basketball. And then, like I said, getting to the free throw line, a big part of West Virginia's recipe for success, in my opinion. And they forced Iowa State to commit 25 fouls in this game. So that's helping you a lot and really helping you, you know, get your victories if you're West Virginia. And this was a very important victory here, a must-win game for the Mountaineers. After that loss to Kansas, definitely I thought they would have to split those two road games to have a shot to get in the tournament. Didn't be able to pull it off with that hard-fought game against Kansas. Like I said, not going to lie, I was very worried that they'd have any legs left in this game against Iowa State. But ultimately they do. Uh, you know, down the stretch there it was – Tough. Emmett Matthews, you know, was literally being almost carried off the court uh, during the timeouts there in the final minutes, but he was still putting on an awesome performance when he was in there. You know, the dunk to kind of pull West Virginia away that ultimately, you know, led to them being able to seal it with free throws there on one of the final possessions, as well as on a couple of Iowa State final possessions. He had back to back blocks playing essentially the five position for West Virginia. So I thought it was a really gutsy performance from him. 
but in general, one of the more gutsy performances I've seen from a West Virginia basketball team in quite some time. I put that out on Twitter, which follow us if you're not on Twitter there. We do some game day tweets sometimes, more so for football, but trying to do it for basketball a little bit as well. And I put that out on Twitter that, you know, with all the players you were missing, the Waggy, the Aconquo, the Trey Mitchell ejection, Edie was limping around. He was playing injured. And then, of course, Emma Matthews exhausted as well. All those guys still making plays that were left there. And then the guys that were called upon and maybe weren't thinking they were going to be with some of the defections West Virginia had in the game with losing the big men that they did. You got to finish the game with four guards and Emmett Matthews. It was just an incredibly gutsy performance by all those involved for West Virginia. This team really showed how resilient they can be. They showed how strong their resolve is, and they also showed how bad they want to make it to the tournament and do something special for us here throughout Mountaineer Nation. So I really think you got to just tip your cap to the West Virginia basketball team after that performance against Iowa State and how hard they're fighting to end this season. I think Emmett Matthews is talk about throughout the season played a big part in this victory and I think he has been the glue guy kind of the heart of the team has kind of been the case I've been making for him since the beginning um, here on the CRW Hoops podcast you can go back episode one or two when I reference that in, in regard to Emmett Matthews and then I think Eric Stevenson obviously he can't be understated we're going to look more at the individual numbers here momentarily and we'll dive in more on it I'm sure but this was actually his fourth consecutive game with 20 plus points and these are the toughest four games of the season for West Virginia to this point, or at least the most crucial, the most vital for them to, you know, get into postseason play. So to see him turn it around after some of the questions, you know, following that game against Oklahoma State to be playing probably his best basketball of the season here down the stretch when West Virginia really needs it. And I think we can probably all agree it kind of seems like as Eric Stevenson goes, so goes West Virginia, and he is the de facto leader of this team. I think him and Emmett Matthews together. So I think it's really good to see them kind of exerting their will, taking over as leaders on this team, and really helping West Virginia get this important victory. Let's look a little bit more at third performances as well. Some other stands out here as we look at some individual numbers and take a little dive on those for this victory over Iowa State that West Virginia was able to secure. All right, taking a look at the individual numbers here, I just want to get the negative out of the way first, and then we'll accentuate the positive after that. But starting off, of course, the big negative for West Virginia in this game, front court play, the big men for the Mountaineers, whatever you want to call it, Jimmy Bell, Trey Mitchell, James Aconquo, um, Josiah Harris, if you want to throw him in there with his limited minutes, but he only played two minutes, so I can't really say too much about either James Aconquo or Josiah Harris. James Aconquo, you know, going down with an injury, I thought Pat Sumnick, though, was the one big man that kind of stepped up a little bit in a time when West Virginia really needed him to. Coming in off the bench, ultimately, as I said, Emma Matthews ends the game as your five, and you play with four guards around him. Um, you know, West Virginia's big men just kind of didn't have it on this night. Jimmy Bell got in foul trouble late uh, with the four fouls. And then Trey Mitchell, we know he ended up with the exec ejection because of the flagrant two. And that kind of stunk just because he had been having such a good performance here in the past couple games. Kind of thought he was back, but really had a down game here against Iowa State. So that's the negative part. But when you're talking about Trey Mitchell and that ejection, you can't not talk about one of the strangest sequences ever for West Virginia because what happens is, I'm sure you guys are well aware of by this point, but Trey Mitchell's trying to post up accidentally elbows a guy, you know, in the head, in the upper, you know, above the neck area, above the chin. And, you know, by the rule, I definitely agree with the flagrant two call. I don't disagree with the ejection, but I will say I don't think there was any malicious intent by Trey Mitchell on that play. However, as a result of that, then the player that's on the ground following the elbow 
grabs Trey Mitchell's legs, apparently tries to kick, it, uh, kick him in the crotchal region there. And so that ends up getting assessed a tech on the review, as well as the player that comes over then to break up the skirmish for Iowa State, pushes Trey Mitchell. That gets a technical upon the review as well. So ultimately what you get is you get Trey Mitchell ejected for the flagrant two, but two Iowa State players get technicals as well. Because of that, West Virginia is the one that gets the ball following two free throws from Iowa State. So I think that the sequence actually went uh, two free throws from Iowa State, two free throws from West Virginia, and the ball. So when you end up getting a flagrant foul on your player and he gets ejected, you're hard-pressed to believe that's going to be a good situation for you, especially because at the time of the ejection, I believe there was about eight to nine minutes left in the game and you were already down six when you're West Virginia. So I, like a lot of people throughout Mountaineer Nation, it's kind of that feeling of like, oh, man, you know, you don't, you're not going to cut it off, but it's like that situation where this is kind of the point of no return. You're down six. You just had a guy ejected for a flagrant two. Iowa State has all the momentum in the world. And so you're like, oh, this one's over. You kind of had that feeling, or at least I did. Personally, I'm sure that there were others that did as well. But out of that sequence, it's so crazy to think West Virginia's down six. Iowa State t- takes their two free throws. They miss them both. West Virginia takes their two free throws. They hit them. So you're down four. Then Seth Wilson with a crazy step back three hand in his face hits it. You're down by one. So in a sequence when West Virginia is down six, has a player ejected, the Iowa State crowd's totally into it. They have all the momentum in the world. Somehow West Virginia comes out of that with a 5-0 run, down one and then really stayed in the game from there on out and battled back and forth, and it was kind of that punch for punch with Iowa State. So I thought that was really an insane sequence, and then I think you know something that stood out to it for me as well is Trey Mitchell really struggled a lot in that game. As you can see here, look at the numbers. Those of you that are looking at it visually here with me can read along, but if you're not, you know, it's on the audio side. Trey Mitchell was 0-5 from the field, 0-2 from three-point range, no points. You know, I said four fouls, and then, of course, the flagrant two ejection. Did have two rebounds and a block at least, but he was struggling mightily. So when the ejection came, I don't know, the television commentator made a comment of, oh, this is really going to hurt West Virginia down the stretch in this one. And normally it's something I'd agree with, but with the way that this game had been going for Trey Mitchell, I'm thinking in my head, is it really though? And I think for West Virginia, that ultimately, that moment, as strange as it sounds, was the turn of the tide. I know it's kind of, peculiar to say when Trey Mitchell has kind of been one of your better players for a big part of this season but actually after losing him West Virginia went on that mini run and then ultimately you find success with the lineup of Emmett Matthews playing your center position your five position surrounded by four guards that West Virginia was able to close out this game with and I think you can't say enough about that sequence and just kind of how much bad luck West Virginia has had typically it was strange to see Another time when you thought they were going to have bad luck actually ended up in their favor and was a big reason they ended up winning this game. So you can't go without mentioning that. And speaking of the aforementioned Emmett Matthews, shout out to Emmett in this game. Played 35 minutes, and in the final couple of minutes, as I said, he's getting almost carried off the court because he's so exhausted. As I said, you know, West Virginia probably didn't have a lot left in him after a hard-fought game with Kansas and then had to come down to the wire here in another hard-fought battle with Iowa State. And Emmett Matthews was certainly giving it every single thing he had. He was barely able to make it off the court when it was, you know, timeouts, TV timeouts, and when he got over the sidelines getting ice packs, water. But then coming back out on the court, getting two blocks on two crucial Iowa State possessions. And then on West Virginia's final possession, it almost was reminiscing of that final possession against Kansas. Joe Toussaint dribbling and then gets stuck in the lane. 
pivoting there. However, this time, even Matthews makes a quick dive to the basket, beats his man perfectly, an amazing cut, just great basketball IQ there from Emmett and great vision from Joe Toussaint to see him, hit him, cutting there and Emmett Matthews dunks the basketball and then from there on all West Virginia had to do was get stops get rebounds be able to inbound in the ball against Iowa State's press and hit free throws and they did a great job of being able to do that down the stretch shout out to Joe Tucson as well I think those are the two players of course Eric Stevenson I'll touch on in a minute I already talked about him briefly but Joe Tucson coming off the bench for West Virginia closed out the game in this one and I think it's very interesting and I also tweeted this out as well that Joe Toussaint is the same player that closed out West Virginia's first victory over Iowa State when the West Virginia Mountaineers beat the Cyclones in Morgantown. It was Toussaint that I believe uh, made a big shot or hit a couple free throws and then went down on the other end, took a charge, and then I think uh, came back and hit a couple more free throws to close out that victory for West Virginia. And then in this game down the stretch against Iowa State, Joe Toussaint again hit the free throws that put West Virginia up by four or five and kind of made it out of reach for Iowa State there in the final seconds. So very fitting for him personally, as some of you may not know, Joe Toussaint transferred from the Iowa Hawkeyes. So being his former rival here, what it's very uh, almost poetic, I guess you could say, that Joe Toussaint is the one that closed out both West Virginia victories over the Iowa State Cyclones with him being a former Iowa Hawkeye. And I thought he was a huge reason West Virginia was able to win this game, particularly in the second half when Iowa State went on their run. He provided the answer a couple of times for West Virginia. He started the game 3-3 three of three from the three-point line, and they were all important shots. Uh, finished off 4-6 of six from the field, 3-5 of five from the three-point line, 8-8 eight of eight from the free-throw line. That's awesome. Also had seven rebounds, kind of atypical for him. But really, you know, like I said, when West Virginia was playing with four guards late, everyone that needed to, you know, attack the glass was doing so, even the guards, because West Virginia had all guards on the floor. And Joe Toussaint was getting some boards there. Seven of them to finish with the game. Also three assists versus only one turnover. But 19 points to be the second leading scorer for West Virginia in this game. And like I said, very crucial down the stretch. And then, of course, as I've already mentioned a little bit earlier, Eric Stevenson, West Virginia goes as he goes, it seems like, a lot of times throughout this season. And when he's on, he's really on, and he's been on of late trying to will West Virginia to victory almost at times. This is his fourth straight game with 20-plus points in arguably the most important stretch of the West Virginia season. He's really shown up, and he's also very fun to watch. You love his tenacity. You love the energy that he brings and just did an awesome job for West Virginia in this game. 23 points, 4-10 from the three-point line, 8-17 from the field, and 3-5 from the free-throw line to lead the West Virginia Mountaineers in scoring as he has throughout the majority of this season. So shout-out to Eric Stevenson. And then you got a shout-out to some of the bench guys that haven't really been playing a lot for West Virginia that were really counted upon in this game due to other players being injured, due to other players you know having poor performances. And you're talking about guys like Pat Sumnick. He played 10 minutes in this game. He hasn't played a ton at all throughout the season, but he contributed three points and a steal and a rebound. Really gave you some good energy and some good hustle there. And then Kobe Johnson as well, West Virginia late in the game. I think they were down four um, in the final minutes there. He comes down, gets an and one, converts the free throw. So he only had three points, but they were a very important three points in the story of this game. He also added three rebounds. So it was good to see Kobe Johnson, who I believe hadn't played in a couple of games, if I'm not mistaken, really come in and make an impact. And then Seth Wilson, who we know is a great shooter and who is someone that I've said, in my personal opinion, I would like to see get more minutes and get more playing time. 
Of course, he only played 12 minutes in this game, one to two from the field, both those being three-point shots, so one to two from the three-point line as well. But the three that he did hit, as I mentioned earlier, was following that sequence of the Trey Mitchell ejection, and it was an awesome sidestep three with a hand in his face that's kind of one of those that when he shot it, you're like, oh, man, that's not a great shot. No, 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 no. And then, yes, 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 once it goes in. But it was an awesome shot from Seth Wilson, and it's not the first time we've seen him hit a tough contested three-point shot like that. And then, of course, you can't not mention Keedy Johnson. I think he's played his best basketball here in his final season with the Mountaineers by far, and I think he took some criticism from the game before against Kansas because he had seven or eight turnovers and didn't have any assists in that game. So, you know, it's it's okay to criticize, but the thing I don't agree with is people reaching out to him personally and personally attacking him, things like that. Uh, that's not constructive at all. That's just a personal attack, and that's ridiculous. You know, this is a, a young man, a college student, so let's be more mature than that. I'm not saying anyone who listens to this would do that, but just saying as a general uh, public service announcement, I guess, but I thought it was really awesome for him to bounce back in this game and have five assists versus only one turnover and really did a great job orchestrating the West Virginia offense and more importantly, doing an excellent job on the ball on defense, getting two steals in this game. He's been awesome at getting steals all season, as we know, and really just a gritty performance from him down the stretch as well. I talked about Emma Matthews playing exhausted. Keity Johnson was playing injured. He took a hard fall on an attempted layup, I believe it was, and it looked like he may have had a little bit of a hip injury or something, but he was limping around uh, when the game wasn't going on, but he still gutted it out down the stretch. Like I said, eight points, five assists versus only one turnover, two steals, four rebounds, 50% from the field and four or six from the free throw line. So good job by Keedy Johnson yet again, especially down the stretch when West Virginia had that lineup of Keedy Johnson, Joe Toussaint, Kobe Johnson, Eric Stevenson, and Emmett Matthews that kind of ended the game for West Virginia. I thought that that was a strong effort from those guys, not a lineup that you'll see West Virginia use maybe again. Who knows? You know, Maybe they'll break it out again now that they had some success with it, but I don't believe it's something we had really seen up to that point in the season. West Virginia certainly hadn't played Emmett Matthews at the five as far as I can remember and definitely not surrounded by four guards. So very interesting that Bob Huggins, went there, but I think it ultimately was very successful for West Virginia and a big reason they were able to close out this victory. So there's a deep dive on some of the team stats and the individual stats that allowed West Virginia to get the much needed and critical road win over Iowa State, as you see here, 72 to 69 to give West Virginia their 17th win overall on the season and their sixth conference win of the season. And hopefully maybe just maybe lock them in the NCAA tournament, but they can certainly confirm that with a win over the Kansas State Wildcats on senior day in the regular season finale. Let's take a look at that matchup with Kansas State and preview that a little bit here on episode 12 of the CRW Hoops podcast. All right, as hard as it is to believe already, this is the final regular season game for the 2022-2023 West Virginia Men's Basketball Club, and they will welcome the Kansas State Wildcats to Morgantown this Saturday, of course, March 4th, 2 o'clock p.m. tip, and West Virginia is back on ESPN Plus for this one, so I have to log in on the ESPN Plus app there to watch this one, or, of course, 
catch Tony Carini's call there on the radio. That's always great as well. West Virginia really could use a win here to potentially lock up an NCAA tournament spot. I think if they win this game, it's definitely pretty much all but locked in for West Virginia that they will make it despite anything that happens in the conference tournament. If they lose it, you might have to do a little something in the conference tournament as well. As long as they make their way in there, we're all going to be happy. And they are seem to be well on their way at this point, but they can all but lock that in with this victory over Kansas State. But that's not going to be any easy task, as you can see here. This Kansas State team, very talented. West Virginia took them down to the wire in Manhattan, a game that arguably West Virginia should have won. They kind of let it slip away there late. Then Keedy Johnson hits a three to send it to overtime, but ultimately Kansas State pulled away in the OT session and got the win over West Virginia in the first meeting between these two clubs. And since then, Kansas State's gone on to have a very successful season, as you can see, currently ranked in the top 15 for this matchup. Another top 15 opponent West Virginia will face, so it would be another quad one win for West Virginia. So this definitely would lock West Virginia into the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. Uh, as you see, Kansas State ranked number 11, 23 and 7 overall, 11 and 6 in the Big 12 Conference. West Virginia, as I stated earlier, 17 and 13, 6 and 11 in the conference themselves. ESPN FPI predicting this matchup actually gives West Virginia a 69.6% chance to win compared to a 30.4% chance for Kansas State. So ESPN FBI likes West Virginia at home, as a lot of metrics do, and we know West Virginia does perform better at home. And some of their best home performances have come on Saturday in these Saturday games, particularly some of Eric Stevenson's best performances as well have came on these home Saturday games. So West Virginia could certainly use one more of those in this one. Let's take a look at the recent games for these two clubs. West Virginia, as we know, won two out of their last three now. Victory over Oklahoma State and, of course, the one we just talked about over Iowa State with a tough close loss to Kansas, a two-point loss there sandwiched in between. Whereas Kansas State's currently on a four-game winning streak those being victories over Iowa State, Baylor, and then most recently Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. So Kansas State playing really good basketball down the stretch here, closing out what has been a very successful season for them. Looking at how they match up as a team statistically, West Virginia scoring 76 points a game, Kansas State scoring 75.6 points per game. So pretty even there scoring-wise, as is what they're giving up. West Virginia giving up 70 points a game, Kansas State giving up 68 points a game. Almost identical field goal percentage, guys. 0.1% apart, 45.4% for Kansas, 45.3% for West Virginia, 35.5 rebounds a game for the Wildcats, 34 rebounds a game for the Mountaineers, 17 assists a game for the Wildcats versus 13 assists for West Virginia, three blocks a game for the Mountaineers, 2.7 blocks for the Wildcats, 7.7 steals a game for Kansas State versus 6.5 steals a game for West Virginia. The individual leaders for these two clubs, Keontae Johnson, we know that he's a star for the Kansas State Wildcats. He leads them both in scoring and rebounding, averaging 17.6 points per game while shooting over 50% from the field and over 70% from the three-point or from the free throw line. Uh, if he's shooting 70% from the three-point line, we'd be in trouble. 72.5% uh, from the free throw line, excuse me. He also pulls down over seven rebounds a game. And the other star player, in my opinion, for Kansas State is the man that leads them in assists, Marquise Noel. 7.7 assists per game, really high there in his assist-to-turnover ratio. And he really does a great job orchestrating their offense and getting them into the right stuff and finding the right man as well. And he can also score it himself. I think West Virginia was a victim of that a little bit in their first matchup against the Wildcats. So I think shutting those two down will be key for West Virginia. Yeah. 
West Virginia's leaders remain the same as they have throughout most of the season. Eric Stevenson's scoring average, though, now up over 15 points a game as he leads the Mountaineers in scoring, shooting over 43% from the field and 79% from the free throw line. Jimmy Bell leads the Mountaineers in rebounds, still five and a half per game. Would love to see Jimmy Bell have a bounce-back game after a little bit of a struggle there against Iowa State. And then the aforementioned Keedy Johnson leads the Mountaineers in assists, over three assists a game, and he's also a great on-ball defender for the Mountaineers and a menace on defense, and I think he's having a great year as well. Um, hopefully, West Virginia really, I think, with the days of rest, really should help West Virginia. They came at a great time. West Virginia definitely, I think, will be ready for this one. The Coliseum should be absolutely rocking. They know how important it is. It's already sold out, so I'm expecting a loud crowd to be behind West Virginia in this one. And I think if there's any time you're going to see West Virginia carry momentum, it's from those two hard falls. And if West Virginia fought that hard on the road, you got to expect another strong home performance for West Virginia in this game. I know Kansas State's a top 15 team in the country. I know they have over 20 wins on the season. They have double-digit conference victories. They beat West Virginia the first time. But, however, in my opinion, I think this West Virginia team is probably playing their best basketball of the season right now. And the fact that West Virginia almost beat Kansas State on the road, and we know how bad West Virginia struggled recently on the road in conference games the past couple of years. And I believe that was the first conference game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. If so, they're booking bookending conference play with the Wildcats, which is pretty cool. But the fact that West Virginia almost won that game, and some would argue that they should have won that game, gives me confidence for the Mountaineers in this one at home, despite the fact that this is a good Kansas State team. I've got faith in West Virginia. I think the Mountaineers come on put on another strong performance. They close out the season on a winning note. I think West Virginia ends the year with 18 wins and seven conference wins. Give me the Mountaineers in this one by five points. Victory over Kansas State to close out the season. Get a win on senior day. Lock us in the NCAA tournament. Let's go dancing. Let's go Mountaineers. All right, so there you have it, a deep dive on the West Virginia victory over Iowa State to give the West Virginia Mountaineers their 17th win of the year and their sixth conference win of the year as well. And hopefully that might put West Virginia into the NCAA tournament. But as I said, a victory coming up here on Saturday will certainly lock the Mountaineers into the big dance. So let's go get it and let's go dancing. As I said there in the final segment, I'm really excited to cover this West Virginia team in the NCAA tournament. Going to be my first time getting to do that extensively. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's go make it happen with a victory over Kansas State. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it, as I'm sure you all through are throughout Mountaineer Nation as well. Having said that, really appreciate you guys tuning in here to Episode 12 of the CRW Hoops Podcast. We'll continue to cover the West Virginia men's basketball season as long as it lasts. We still got the conference tournament for sure, and hopefully we'll have a nice little run in the NCAA tournament to cover as well. Either way, you can find the West Virginia sports content from us here over at the Country Roads webcast and also find some great Mountaineer sports content on the web there at WVSportsNow.com as we are part of the SportsNow family and networks and really appreciative of them. And like I said, we appreciate the viewers and the listeners. If you're a listener, hop over to the YouTube. There's some other extra content besides these long-form podcast episodes as well. And if you are a viewer and you don't know that you can listen to this just on the audio side, go ahead and hop over to whatever podcast platform you prefer. 
I know most people got iPhones, so it's probably Apple. The podcast app's already on your phone. Just that little purple logo there. Click that. Search Country Roads webcast. Hit the subscribe button. Boom, the episodes are automatically in your phone as soon as we update them. But either way, if you're a viewer, if you're a listener, whatever way you tuned in here to this episode and throughout the season, we really appreciate it. We're looking forward to West Virginia hopefully closing this out with a victory over Kansas State, but it should be a fun one regardless coming up this Saturday. Like I said, 2 p.m. tip there. Going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Let's watch the Mountaineers end the season on a strong note, and hopefully let's go dancing. But as always, I'm Jordan Cruz, and until next time, let's go. Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...